You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. In addition to our regular weekly podcast, we also have the privilege of interviewing experts from around the world to further our understanding of how to live mindfully. Dr. Donnie Wilson is a naturopathic doctor, certified professional midwife, certified nutrition specialist, and author of Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health. For more than 22 years, She has helped thousands of patients overcome health challenges and achieve wellness by using specific strategies that address the whole body and ultimately resolve the underlying causes of distress. Dr. Donnie suffered from migraines for over 20 years, and in the process of solving them, she developed her stress recovery protocol. She brings awareness to the impact of stress on our health and how it is possible to recover from burnout and become resilient to stress. Welcome, Dr. Donnie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. So I really enjoyed the book. It had a lot of interesting information for me. I'm actually normally very balanced. I'm way out of balance. So I found it very fascinating to go through. You talk about understanding stress through your own lived experience. And so I'm wondering if you can start with sharing a little bit about your challenges with migraines and how that kind of led to where you are today. Absolutely. Oh, and thank you for asking. I mean, that's the thing is that I really do want everyone to know that this book is written from going through stress, you know, experiencing burnout, experiencing, you know, what it's like to feel like you don't even know how you're going to get through the day, feeling out of balance. People will say, I feel run down, or I feel out of sorts, or I, you know, we can sometimes, and that sounds subtle, but sometimes that's the main way we pick up on feeling stressed. And for me, it it definitely got to the place of being in pain. Um, I was having these migraines that a couple times a month that would take me out for several days at a time. And, you know, it's so much of the time, like say if we're in pain or we have a symptom, we might say, okay, I'm going to go take this medication or I'm going to take this, you know, get this prescription. And there certainly are medications for pain and for headaches and for migraines even. The thing is, is that my body's also very sensitive. So even oftentimes if I try something, it would make me feel worse or it wouldn't help at all. 
And so I was in that situation of being like, okay, I can't take the things that would be maybe a quick fix. And even then, do I really just want a quick fix or do I really want to get to the bottom of this and be like, enough already of having to have these migraines and having to figure out what to take in order to keep up with my schedule. I just don't want to have the migraines anymore. You know, and sometimes I think it's like, we have to get to the point of having that thought of like enough already, enough of feeling tired, enough of feeling anxious, enough of insomnia, or however it shows up for the listeners, you know, of like enough already. Yes, I could choose a quick fix, maybe if it even works, but I just want to get my body back and my life back. And that's what really drove me and pushed me to do the research I've done and, and dig in and try all the things that I've tried, because everything I write about in this book, I've tried on myself. It was a trial and error over, over a couple decades, you know, so this is not something that I just started doing a couple of years ago. This is like a couple decades of me being in practice as a naturopathic doctor, being a mom and figuring out how do I stay well? How do I stay feeling good so that I can do the things I enjoy? Yeah, I, I mean, I went through burnout multiple times and each time I would figure, well, what worked and what didn't work and how do I fine tune it for next time? And so I'm, I'm excited to be here talking about it, you know, to say now I don't get migraines. Now I might pick up on symptoms of stress much earlier in my system and know what can I do to prevent it from getting to that point? That's the goal for sure. And I can relate a lot to what you're talking about. It is, it is challenging. And I think a lot of people feel extra challenged in that allopathic or Western medicine just doesn't always recognize all the nuances and differences between each of us individually. I too do not do well with prescription medication, which leaves us with fewer solutions, right? So you kind of have to go deeper. I have to tell you, Bruce Lipton's book, like almost 20 years ago, The Biology of Belief actually changed my life because that's when I was first introduced to epigenetics. And so I was really glad to have a little refresher from your book. And I also really appreciate the focus on the importance of understanding how our brain functions related to the hormones that are released and the processes that happen that absolutely impact mind and body. So I am wondering first, if you can explain to our listeners what epigenetics is and how it works related to stress. Oh, thank you so much for asking this because, you know, when I'm writing the book and I'm choosing what I feel is important to be in there and just hoping it's going to resonate for others, like to just hear like you saying this really resonates with me. And it's something that already you're aware of and integrating in over the past couple decades and his book. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I just, I just love all of that because it, to me, it's to say, we're not stuck. We're not broken and we're not stuck with our genetics. Like, right. Like back in time, it was the belief that most of our health was determined by our genes. And that's why they even did the whole human genome project, because it was this idea that if we knew every gene, we could fix ourselves by fixing that gene. But you know what actually turned out from the human genome project was they're like, actually, the genes have much less to do with our health than we thought. And I mean, they're still important, which is why I integrate that in the part that's important we want to address. But what we realized is that actually much more of our health is determined by our environmental exposures. And this is what I refer to as our stress. So it's, it's our stress exposures from psycho-emotional stress, 
to physical stress like injuries and infections to toxic stresses, toxins we're exposed to, even dietary stresses and lifestyle stresses. This is what affects our genetic expression. And so it's like, okay, wow. You know, it's this this dilemma, nature versus nurture. And we're a combination of both. We are affected by nurture and nature, which is the genetic piece, but it's much less of a genetics than we thought. And to me, this is the whole point of this book is to say, we can do something about it, no matter what our genetics and even no matter what our stress exposure, we have so much power in our hands to shift the future of our health just by knowing that, you know? And so to me, that's so inspiring, right? Like epigenetics, it puts the power back in our hands to be able to influence our health now and into the future. Yeah, I totally agree. And I certainly used it over the years for various things, but I also lately have really been looking at the effect of mindfulness on the expression of genes, because again, we have the ability to do something about whatever is ailing us, but it's just really understanding it. And so I thought your book did a a beautiful job of really outlining the science behind all of this. And I'm endlessly fascinated with the brain. So, okay. So this is the area that I was already thinking about looking into before um, we connected, which is the adrenal system. You describe it as adrenal distress when we're having sort of this, again, it's not just in the mind. It's not just in the body. It's in the system, but the importance of the various parts of our mind and body that, you know, that implement whatever's going to happen based on um, the events that are occurring. Yes. Talk about the adrenal distress, because I think that is an important piece that gets overlooked, especially when you just go to a, like an allopathic doctor, they're kind of not maybe up to date on that. <laughs> so if you could. Absolutely. That. No, it's such an important point because, you know, people will think, okay, if we think of our health, we think of going to the doctor's office. And of course we have our insurance. So it's like, okay, I'm going to go do, and, and we should, we should get the healthcare that's covered by insurance, but it's important to know. And, and of course there's, I have so much respect for medical practitioners. We need them. In fact, my, my father recently suffered a stroke. So I'm, I'm also here helping to, with his rehabilitation. And I'm so grateful for, you know, of course, the medical system that's helping him recover and to see how we're able to do it side by side, talk about the brain and if, and how fascinating it is to observe the brain healing, you know, from a stroke is a perfect example. And, and so it's important to know, you know, like, yes, get your standard blood work done and your screening exams, those have a purpose and they're probably not going to tell you anything about your adrenal glands. And so the adrenal glands, think of it as this is our main stress response system. And as humans, we have a built-in stress response system just to clarify, like we're we're not trying to eliminate all stress, even though, as we just talked about, our health is completely determined by our stress exposure. I want to clarify that the goal is not to get to zero stress because first of all, it would be impossible to get to zero stress. And so we would just end up stressing ourselves out trying to do it. (laughs) We want certain stresses. We want to be, you know, doing things that bring us joy and that we feel inspired about and connecting with other humans and traveling. And so we're going to have stress. It's not about having zero stress. It's about, we know that our stress affects our health. So now what can we do to help our bodies 
recover and and thrive and stay healthy even though we're under stress and this is exactly to me why focusing on the adrenal glands is so important because that's where that's what we're depending on to help us deal with stress right like if we aren't paying attention to our adrenal glands they're just struggling to help us keep up with stress and at certain point they're not going to be able to keep up as well it's just fact at being human they're just it's not going to keep up and so how do we know if our adrenal glands are not keeping up well enough? Well, we can look at cortisol levels. Cortisol is our main stress hormone and adrenaline levels. Adrenaline is another stress neurotransmitter, I would consider it, or catecholamine. And so we can measure those, but they're not usually measured in the regular doctor's visit and they're not done on your, I hope in the future, by the way, Teresa, I hope it would bring me so much joy if this testing does become part of standard care. Everything, I think everyone should have these things tested at least once a year because that to me is such a determinant of health. And to me, it's the ultimate stress test. We and we need to know how is stress affecting us. Now it's one thing to because I'm glad now people are more aware of like, I think stress is affecting me. I, you know, I but then. If we don't know specifically how stress is affecting you, we can't be very strategic about our treatment, right? We we can, we can be general, like even mindfulness, right? Such a beautiful practice. And I've done all trainings in mindfulness. I use mindfulness every day, all the time. And I teach it to my patients and in my programs. It's such a powerful tool and it's good for everyone. You know, research shows that. So there's some things we can do generally to help with stress for everyone. But what I'm saying, and in my research and in my clinical practice, what I see is we can also use tools that are very specific. And if we can use those tools that are specific to each individual, we're even more likely to help them with their not only counterbalancing stress, but also recovery from stress. I think a lot of people also don't understand that there is negative stress and positive stress. And so I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, we're not trying to get rid of stress. We need stress and we even need the negative quote, negative stress when there is danger or there is, you know, some reason to act immediately. Um, But the positive stress that is excitement or that's anticipation, or that's what maybe gets us up in the morning because we've got to get to work on time. So stress serves us in some ways. It's the negative stress that I think overwhelms our systems. If we're not alert to the fact that, you know, I go through periods of time where I know like I'm pushing too hard, you know, I'm under some deadline. It's constantly in my mind. Okay. You're going to have to then take a break after this. I mean, this is not ideal, but sometimes we get in those positions, right? Yes. But if we're in tune with how we're feeling, it's not so easy, like you said, to get down to the specifics, what exactly is happening, but we can at least know generally, okay, my body is telling me, and that's really what it is. It's your body saying, Hey, you need to pay attention to this before it gets worse. (laughs) So I think of it like an early warning system and I pay attention most of the time, but I, I do think it's important. And again, it's like the brain. I think a lot of people don't realize what the adrenal glands do. And so it's just kind of getting a better understanding of our brains and bodies and how they operate together. I can describe it a little bit more. You know, our, our brain is, I think of it like we have a stress radar system in our brain. It's going to be picking up on everything from change in light, change in sound, change in color. You know, it's perceiving, even when our eyes are closed, amazingly, we're picking up on everything around us as a stress radar system. And as soon as our brain 
picks up on a, something that it considers a stress, it's going to send signals out through the rest of our body. And of course, like you said, it's a protection mechanism. Mm-hmm. And also it's, you know, it means so we, we recognize we like that's the only way we're surviving here on planet earth is because we have a really good stress response system. <laughs> so we want to be grateful for it. And at the same time, I think if the more we can understand it, then we can know how to work with it because our stress response system can kind of take over and it can feel like we're at its whim like it's making the decisions all day long and we're just being drugged along behind you know (laughs) and we're like wait a minute slow down stress responses so I need a breath to catch up here because it it literally can be that powerful of a stress response system we have our flight or flight fight or flight is the sympathetic nervous system that triggers adrenaline response immediately heart racing you know, sweating, mind racing is going to pull us out of danger immediately, you know, and it's, it's important. But what happens is if we're under constant stress, it's like, I think about it, like it gets stuck. It's almost like, (laughs) it's almost if there was a conversation going on inside of our nervous system, it would say, well, she keeps on getting triggered by stress every five minutes. So instead of turning it off, let's just leave it on. Let's just leave the stress response system going because why turn it off if she's going to get triggered again? (laughs) And so it just ends up we're in this. Some people will say to me, I feel like I'm in a fight or flight response and there's no stress happening at the moment. And it's literally that this, the sympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve are in a complete stress response. And the same thing then what happens is the brain signals to the adrenal glands and the adrenal glands make cortisol and also adrenaline and much more DHEA and more hormones. And so now we have this cortisol response signaling and what should happen is when the stress goes away, then every turn thing shuts I mean, but the cortisol doesn't go to zero. We actually need a healthy amount of cortisol and adrenaline to just do our day-to-day activities. In fact, cortisol should be a little higher in the morning to wake us up, get us started through the day and gradually decreases through the day. So it's lowest in the evening so we can go to bed. So that would be the optimal cortisol. So I also like to clarify, we're not trying to have zero cortisol and zero adrenaline. We want optimal levels. And I think that's sometimes a hard concept to grasp, you know, as humans, we're used to picking black and white, you know, like, yes or no. And when it comes to optimizing and mastering, that's why I named the book Master Your Stress, because it's how do we master optimal? How do we find that optimal cortisol and adrenaline for this time of day and for, you know, whether I'm having a stress response and then being able to come back out of that stress response. And so this also points at when you do do testing, that's not from your conventional doctor, but you can do cortisol testing. Most times doctors will say, well, it looks okay because it's really easy to be in the normal range. It's a big wide range. We're not all the same. This is the other important point. Even though we're all human and we all have a stress response system, our stress response systems are not exactly going to have the same response because we have our unique genetics and we have our unique genetic expression based on our life experience. So it's not going to be the same for everyone. So that's one piece of the puzzle. Then I'm like, well, we need to know the adrenaline levels too, because that's also involved in a stress response. Now this, just to be clear, this is not just measuring cortisol and adrenaline after an acute stress. What we're measuring is what are your cortisol and adrenaline level? What is kind of the set point after whatever stress you've been exposed to? 
where did it land? Is it is it kind of on a day to day basis? Is it in the optimal range, or is it a little too low or a little too high? And in the book, this is what I refer to as the stress types. So I found there were five main common patterns of cortisol and adrenaline, and to me, this is really key because the treatment is different for each of those. And it makes me so frustrated and, and really infuriated for, for the patient. I'm like, this has to get clarified. And this is what inspires me to write about this. You know, it's like, we need this information so badly and it's not out there. It's not mainstream information. Yeah, this ties back to what we were saying at the very beginning, where we're all different. And I agree with you. It's nothing against allopathic medicine. It's just that it's not designed to treat millions of variations. It's designed to be you know, more efficient because the majority of people may fall into a category. And that's why I did find the five stress types that you have in the book interesting. Um, I took your quiz. There's a quiz in the book. So you can try to identify your stress type. And then, of course, throughout the rest of the book, as you go through uh, different options and solutions, it's specifically targeted to your type. So I thought that was very interesting. You created a method for healing from, let's call it negative stress or stress overwhelm. You call it self C-A-R-E, the acronym. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that is. What's care? Well, in this concept of self-care, I'm so glad that it's becoming more of a known and accepted idea to prioritize our own self-care because of course in the earlier years it wasn't we were thought to be self-centered or selfish if we were taking care of ourselves but in reality we need to be taking care of ourselves in order to be able to be well enough to take care of others and so this concept first of all is how do we learn to prioritize ourselves in our day-to-day choices we're making and our schedule and our routine And then what I did is I took the care part of that word and use it as an acronym. So C for me stands for clean eating. So this is all about food choices. How can we choose foods that are going to be helping us to recover from stress versus adding more stress and inflammation and oxidative stress to our system, right? So we can dive into that more, but the C is for clean eating. A is for adequate sleep. We know how important sleep is for our stress recovery and our health in general. So it's, we need to master our sleep in order to optimize our wellness. And then the R is for recovery activities. Now, recovery activities is where mindfulness would land. You know, it's activities that there's a ton of research on that we know helps our bodies to recover from stress. And I think the cool thing that we also see in the research is we can, even in small amounts of time, it makes a big difference. So even sometimes five minutes, 10 minutes can make a huge difference for giving us a dose of (laughs) anti-stress, right? We need these doses of anti-stress really throughout the day, sprinkle them throughout the day, every day. It's not something that we want to save up for when we're on vacation twice a year, right? We need to be having our stress recovery all the time in there because we are under stress all the time. So we need to counterbalance it. And the E is for exercise. Again, research over and over shows that exercise is one of our best stress tools. But I also like to emphasize that it's a good example that it's also possible to overdo something that's good for us. Because if we overdo the exercise, it actually becomes a stress and can raise cortisol levels. And so we want to be mindful that we need to learn how to do just enough change to show our body that we're, we're doing something different. 
where we want to create some, you know, recovery from stress. But if we do too much, then we're going to overdo it and, and have to start over again. And I think this is a really important concept because one of the reasons that us humans find ourselves burned out is because we've been taught that we're supposed to do more and better. We think we're supposed to be superheroes. And really, I'm trying to say to you, you're human. And really, how do we support ourselves to be more human? Because then that's actually going to help us be healthier humans. Because it's always bigger, more, better, stronger, instead of just little baby steps even are sometimes more beneficial, at least for me. Yes. Thank you. You do include a variety of mindfulness techniques in taking care of ourselves, which of course I appreciate. But why do you think so many people think it's hard to care for ourselves or to practice self-care? Yeah, I mean, I think we heard that from a young age. Now I, I'm hoping more conscious parenting is happening where, and I'm hoping that's one of the benefits of this book is to just help parents to be more gentle and compassionate with themselves as parents and more gentle with, with children too, to say, hey, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be, you know, only putting your focus on others. It's important to be able to put your focus on yourself too. And when something's been kind of ingrained into our nervous system from a young age, it's it's harder to shift it, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's what it takes is awareness first. So I'm so glad we're talking about it. And the more we become aware of when we're making choices each day, right? That's the mindfulness. We become more mindful of each choice we're making and to have that time in our schedule and the time for reflection. Maybe that's what happens when you're using meditation or mindfulness or maybe in journaling or spending time in nature um, where you actually have that self-reflection time to say, what am I really choosing? Is this benefiting me and my family and my life? And maybe what might I want to do differently? And then we make these little small adjustments and we keep noticing. It's a it's a practice, really. It's a bringing mindfulness into our day-to-day life that allows us to make these little tweaks little by little, right? That lead us in a, into a different place gradually over time. It's not just about like taking a week off or going to the spa. It's really about whether it's stress, whether it's mindfulness, health is not about that. It's about being aware and adjusting as you go. So it doesn't have to be this big block of time. It's more a mindset of, oh, is this the best choice I can make for myself in this moment? Or as the stress rises, do I need to pause and reflect or deep breathe or do something to lower whatever's going on with all of the different hormones in my body so that I'm back in a neutral zone maybe? And I think today with all the stress everyone's been under, And with all of the environmental challenges we have between toxins and our food and our, and all the, you know, the chemicals and like everything else going on, we need to take proactive action for ourselves, you know, to protect ourselves. So like a lot of times people, when you're in the moment of stress, believe me, I've been there too. I mean, I've been in moments of stress where I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I possibly fit some self-care time, even sometimes it can even feel impossible to take a deep breath in the moment. And so I get it. You know, it's so annoying when someone's like, oh, just take a breath. And I'm like, you have no idea. I can't take a breath. (laughs) And so I get it. Stress or even anxiety, it can feel like it's taken over us. And so we have no separation between me and the, the anxiety or the stress. It's like completely one. And when that's the case, it is, it's really hard to imagine where to even begin because it feels completely 
you're in one with it. But what happens with mindfulness is we start to be able to, and so you start from a calm state, like don't try to do this when you're in the midst of a moment, be like, okay, let me find a moment in the morning, nobody else needs me right now, or late at night, whenever it is, uh, or in your car or in the bathroom or wherever you can find some private space for your brain. Sometimes I'm like, I just need to give my brain a break, you know, and we can sit with it and we can go, okay, let me see if I can separate these a little bit, even an inch, you go, let me see the stress or see the anxiety or whatever you call it for you. And let me see myself over here. And I can see that they can have a little space between them. Like it's like we create a space. So then we can see, oh, this is me. Like, I think we actually have to realign with who am I, the human in this living in this body that's having this experience? Who am I? And this is the stress and it's separate from me. Like then we can go, Okay, now, how do I want to choose in the moment? How can I take some breaths now and and say to our brain, right? Like, hey, brain, I see and I recognize this worry or this stress, but do I actually have to do something about it right now? This is a such an important skill. I'm sure you talk about all the time, mindfulness. It's like, how do we, once we can separate ourselves from the stress and we start to realize we don't have to identify it with it in the moment and that we can actually choose what we want to do. Then we can get into this much more proactive, but importantly, what we're doing is we are activating our self-compassion and our self-love. Now we're being accepting of ourselves instead of, because otherwise it feels like we're at odds with our own selves, which is extremely stressful, right? Like here we are living in this human body and we're at odds with ourselves. I actually even started changing my scheduling. So that there's no back-to-back allowed. So it really, it is about that recovery. Even if I don't feel like I need it, I leave at least a small gap in between. And my days are jam-packed and sometimes they're long, but that little, whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes, but before the next thing hits, gives me that time. Again, it doesn't have to be formal, but it's just where your brain's not on overload all day long. It gets a minute to take a breath, get up, walk around for five minutes. And it makes a huge difference. Just something that small. And that's why I think in the last chapter of the book, it's all about how do you integrate self-care into your routine? These things don't have to take up very much time or space. And actually what, of course, the research shows is when we take breaks, like what you're doing, it actually makes us more productive. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. (laughs) I can tell you it does, (laughs) but you just feel better. I don't feel stressed most of the time because I practice mindfulness and teach mindfulness and meditation. Because you're because you're addressing your stress time. <laughs> exactly. But the one thing that I do know is different is I do start strong. I'm, I'm one of those jump out of bed. I'm ready to go. And I used to have a problem in the afternoons with the drop off, you know, like two o'clock, I'd be drowsy or whatever. And I'm not anymore. And I think it's because of those little short breaks. Yes. So my, I, I get these little resets. And so I feel the same usually at the end of the day, as I do at the beginning, maybe not quite as energetic, but you know, still plenty energetic. <laughs> so Yay, I mean, thank you for sharing that because that's the thing is like, I want people to know, I, knowing your stress type is not to be stuck with that identity. I want you to use it so that you can empower yourself to get to what you're describing, where you're, you're, you acknowledge your stress pattern and you are giving your body what it needs to then counterbalance it, to stay healthy and to do what you love. Again, I think optimizing is the word you used. I think that that's the perfect word. We can't 
we can't control so much of life, but we can optimize what our, what we need, you know, what, what's going to serve us best in whatever circumstance we're in. So I think that's great. In addition to reading your book, of course, what's maybe some advice you could give to someone who recognizes that they're out of balance or that they're too stressed or that they're struggling or, or they see signs of it with their body because the body is changing, um, but feel overwhelmed about trying to change it. Because for most of us, it's not just changing one thing. If we've gone a long time ignoring it, it's, it's a whole lot of things. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice, like even a, like a baby step, something that's not overwhelming, but just to get you started on this path. Definitely. I love just starting with the baby steps. I want to encourage people that it does work because sometimes you're like, is it even worth it to make a baby step? Yes, it's worth it. Even pick the smallest thing. In fact, I'd rather you pick something that feels doable because also the way our, our reward system works in our brain is if we pick something that actually is achievable and then we achieve it, we actually signal the dopamine reward system again. And so let's pick something like if you're like, okay, today I'm going to, I'm going to take a one minute break, you know, like, or I'm going to take two deep breaths, make it something that you, you're like, I can definitely do this because then you can build on it. You can go, okay, then tomorrow my goal is this. And next week, my goal is this. And you you start to build on it, but you're, and then you're learning along the way. So I definitely encourage you to be journaling in fact, I just had these self-care notebooks made um, that people can find on my website that because my whole goal is for you to journal and track, like, what are you going to implement today? How did it go? Be gentle with yourself. Maybe, maybe you're like, hey, actually, today I didn't even do my little thing. Okay, now it's your chance to be gentle with yourself, forgive yourself, and to say, what am I going to try the next day? So definitely it's these baby steps that actually are important, especially when you have been burned out. I had to learn this myself. If we, when we're burned out, our, the way our body heals is through the small steps, not from overdoing it. And so you can definitely, I mean, to me, that's the best place to begin. And that's what I teach in my stress reset. I have a self-care stress reset that's available through my website. I'm happy to share it with your listeners. Right. The self-care stress reset, this is what I teach you, how to implement these little small steps and how to work with yourself to start to gain momentum in your stress recovery process. Fantastic. Well, so in addition to the book, Mastering Your Stress, Reset Your Health, you also have a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, How Humans Heal. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And then where could people find more about you and your your blog and your podcast and all of that good stuff? Where where should Mm -hmm. they go? It's um it's under my name. Donnie, by the way, is short for Danielle. Um, and so it's spelled D-O-N-I. And so just go to drdonnie.com. So D-O-C-T-O-R-D-O-N-I.com. And you can find everything there. Also on social media at Dr. Donnie Wilson. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of those good places. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear from everyone and and have you, you know, jump into the self-care stress reset and just try it out for yourself. And definitely the even the stress type quiz we now have on the website. So yeah, just start gently giving yourself this knowledge so that you can learn along the way and give yourself this support to heal. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing all of this today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you again to Dr. Donnie for joining us today. You can see the full interview and find a link to her book, Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health, 
on our website at amindfulmoment.com. You can find her blog, podcast called How Humans Heal, and her self-C-A-R-E program at drdonnie.com. Until next time, I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities. Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills, paying attention to every detail of what you're doing, from washing dishes to work tasks to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment. And if you'd like to support us, we would deeply appreciate you visiting patreon.com slash a mindful moment. Follow us on social media at A Mindful Moment Podcast. Visit our website, amindfulmoment.com, to access podcasts, scripts, and book recommendations. A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee, and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Post-production and talent booking, Melissa Sims. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.